0: slide up and it's recording
1: just like that the magic of modern technology everybody all our great friends of the show welcome to the first of well we're not really sure what we're calling this mini sewed on the go one shots i don't know it's your old buddy jeff caroni my partner in pod sean beecham we are in the car driving home from work we're recording through our good friends at anchor and we thought it might be a good idea in between our big episodes to uh, connect with you guys and say hello and, uh, and uh, do a little uh, quick episode in between big episodes. Uh, we are hard at work in post-production on episode three. Um, episode three will be coming soon. Hopefully you've hit the subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. So as soon as the episode is uploaded to those servers and it's ready to be delivered to you. If you've hit the subscribe button, like all great friends of the show have hit the subscribe button, you'll get it downloaded to your device of choice. Isn't that right, John? Yeah, and I think we're gonna we're gonna
0: try doing this because this is where the podcast started. Um, the t- you've heard us mention in, in the previous couple of episodes that we we work together, we commute together, and this is where the bulk of the conversation happens before it's taped for our our bigger episodes and a lot of people have been asking if we record the show in the car during our commute the answer is no we don't um for logistical reasons and we're gonna we're gonna try it because we live in a world where we can record anything at any time anywhere so here we are in the car in traffic on a (laughs) Wednesday. in Boston, Mm -hmm. not moving.
1: Our work day is finished, so uh, we thought we would spend a little time with our GFOSs, our great friends of the show. So we hope you're all having a wonderful week, hope everything is going well. What do we want to talk about on this Wednesday ride home show? Uh, I only have one thing that I actually noticed today,
0: and that was that Patty Jenkins announced a title for Wonder Woman 2. It is, Wonder yes. Woman 1984. Yes. And, not only that, uh, she shared an, a, a screenshot... Oh, I a was still hoping image you mention this. ...from the movie, and it pictures a, a nice, a dapper Chris Pine in 80s garb. Uh, including a fanny pack. Including fanny pack, Which yes. I
1: respect. Love the fanny pack.
0: So, Chris yes. Pine's character... Uh, this Steve raises, Trevor. This raises some interesting questions because his character sure does. doesn't
1: really make it out of the first movie, or so we thought it would yeah. seem. It would see so not hope we don't not spoiling it. Uh, if you've seen Wonder Woman, you know that her romantic uh, partner in the film, uh, Chris Pine, Steve Trevor, who is a part of the American Army in World War One, in the European front, he uh, in the third act of the film sacrifices himself, uh, and would apparently. Uh, die. <laughs> for, yeah, for the better part of the word, um, he dies at the towards the end of uh, the first uh, Wonder Woman film. So to have a still image from the forthcoming sequel, which we now know is called, I guess, Wonder Woman eighty four, um, and to see a apparently uh, alive and well Steve Trevor is uh, is interesting. And uh, I had heard rumors that Pine uh, would be back for uh, the second Wonder Woman film. He was great in Wonder Woman 1. Uh, He's also terrific in Star Trek. Uh, Hopefully all of our great friends of the show have seen the rebooted J.J. Abrams Star Trek films. He is great as Captain Kirk. You know, Gal Gadot shared another image from
0: the film, and it's of her character Wonder Woman standing in front of what appears to be an array of TV screens retro TV screens saw that too yeah and there's a bunch of various images on there and one of them looks like it's a Star Wars image if you Mm -hmm. look Mm -hmm. it has like there's lightsabers and it just seems like it's it's straight out of Star Wars Um, and I think they missed a good easter egg opportunity to throw in a Star Trek
1: they really did yeah
0: that would have been perfect
1: and uh, for the nerds of us a nice little treat because I mean I can't say enough you know Pine is really great uh, in, in all those movies, and he was great in Wonder Woman. So I'm curious to see how he returns to us. Yes. Um, I guess we'll all find out. Uh, I want to say it's next It's next Christmas. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 comes out, I believe, in November or December of 2019. So yeah. we got about a year, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoyed Wonder Woman 1. It's certainly been the highlight of the... Uh, DC Universe films up to this point. Uh, I realize that bar is real low, but uh, it, it cleared it. It did really, it did really, really well critically. It did really, really well with fans. Um, you know, it's the only DC extended universe film my parents have seen since Man of Steel. Oh, wow. wow, really? Uh, yeah, they did not want to see uh, Batman Superman, and they had no interest in Suicide Squad. And uh, by then, they had heard so many bad things that they weren't interested in Justice League. So, Fair enough. but they watched Wonder Woman and they loved it. So, you know, I'm ready for Wonder Woman too. I, I've, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of come up since uh, episode one is that, oh, Jeff, you don't like DC. That's not true. Uh, that's not true at all.
0: I think the opposite of, is true. You're, not true you're so into DC that you're just disappointed and you want
1: them to do it better. Yeah, that's not true. When, when I grew up, I read. I was a comic book fan growing up. I read both companies. I read Marvel and DC. Non-discriminate. Uh, I read probably a little more Marvel growing up than DC, but I read Batman. Uh, I, liked, I dabbled in Green Lantern and The Flash and Justice League. Um, I love DC. I'm all for it. I I want both companies to be making comics. I want both companies to make movies. I want both companies to make TV shows. It's better for everybody if you have choice. And as a fan of the genre, comic book, as a fan of the genre, it's it's great to have all this at our disposal. My only wish is that some of these movies that DC had made were better. Batman and Superman should have been better than it was. Those are the two prime characters of their uh, pantheon of characters. And they royally screwed that movie up. And uh, it set them on this course that seems like they can't recover. Suicide Squad was a mess. Um, Justice League was not what it should have been. I I want DC to do well. I want a Green Lantern film. I want a Flash movie. I want a Cyborg movie. I want Hawkman. I want Martian Manhunter. I want Plastic Man. I want Shazam. Bring it. Just give it all to me. I want it all. Just the same way with Marvel. I wanted Guardians of the Galaxy. I never read Guardians of the Galaxy growing up. Never. I knew of it. Sure. But I never read it. But I wanted it. I was like, sure. Talking raccoon in a tree who just says I'm group? And the, and the eighth lead from Parks and Recreation? Sure. Why not?
0: And did you ever think growing up that you would see a Doctor Strange movie?
1: No, but I wanted one really, really badly because actually one of the titles I read fairly regularly as a kid, uh, even though it was really trippy and I probably missed most of it as an eight-year-old, I really liked Doctor Strange, actually. I I just, there was something interesting about a guy living in Greenwich Village who was a a sorcerer. Like, I just, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And he had all these spells And the Eye of Agamotto and the Crimson Bands of Citrock and the trippy images and the bright colors. It was great. I I, I love Doctor Strange. I was really excited when they finally announced the Doctor Strange movie. I was super excited that Benedict Cumberbatch was cast as Doctor Strange. And I love Doctor Strange. I hope they make more Doctor Strange. Um, But yeah, who knew? I mean, who knew we wanted Doctor Strange in our lives? Who knew we wanted Dave Batista's uh, Drax in our
0: life? In case you didn't realize, there's a lot of speed bumps on this road. There are a lot of speed bumps do you, on this road. Do you speed know bumps. how I feel about speed bumps. Yes, your speed bump uh, distaste as well. So okay. if you can, if you hear those speed bumps in this recording, I'm sorry. Uh, you are here to suffer with me.
1: <laughs> so this, I've heard it from one or two people around, and, and it's also something I'm worried about because we hit DC pretty hard in episode one. I don't, and I, I think I speak for Sean too, Neither of us hate DC. Our favorite superhero, collectively, is Batman. I have the Joker
0: tattooed on
1: my fucking
0: arm. And I'm sorry, I just, I just broke the swear You broke the swear
1: Collectively, Wanted by None's official superhero is probably Batman. Yeah, I'd say it's Batman. The superhero we talk about most, quite frankly, is Batman. I loved Batman growing up. I've loved all versions of it. I've seen the 60s TV show... The 90s cartoon, which was awesome. Um, I saw Tim, the Tim Burton movie in 89. I was there on the first weekend. The same with Batman Returns. The same with Batman Forever. The same with Batman and Robin. And yes, both of those movies I just named sucked royally. I don't care. I saw them when they came out because of my love of the character. Uh, I loved Batman Begins. I actually cheered at the end of Batman Begins when they unveiled the Joker playing card at oh, the end. Oh, that was, that was I, an epic If moment. I could have given it a standing ovation and stood up, I would have. It was a masterstroke. Uh, one of my favorite all-time movies, not just comic book movies, certainly it's one of my favorite comic book movies, but one of my favorite movies of all time, is The Dark Knight. I would it's agree. phenomenal. Um, and even though, you know, I make fun of it, especially the voice and some of the I liked Dark Knight Rises I thought there were enough moments in Dark Knight Rises that I liked when you're talking about making fun of the voice you're talking about the Bane voice the Bane voice and the Batman voice Tom Hardy that he was doing the Batman voice once everybody in the movie had kind of figured out who he was I I thought it was a little ridiculous but (laughs) so be it Um, I love Batman I love the character I love Ben Affleck in Batman Superman actually he was not the problem in that movie to be honest nor was he the problem in Justice League. And yeah. um, I just, I want the DC characters to do well. So when I, in episode one, when I came down on them, it was from a place of love. It was not from a place of hate. I love DC. Um, yeah. I read both companies growing up. I love both companies. Um, I but want both companies to do well. I'm sure we're, we're going to
0: talk a lot about DC uh, in good and bad ways. Sure probably. seems like it. And when Marvel screws up, then we'll still talk about that too. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I don't watched, think that day's coming. But sure. well, I watched the Defenders. Well, <laughs> I saw that. I saw that all what eight hours of it. Yeah, and it wasn't great. I'll be the first to admit that it wasn't well, fantastic.
1: Not to be nerdy, but you're talking about Marvel Television and Marvel Studios. The movie studios are are not together, so Kevin Feige has no control over the TV show. So Marvel films, aside from Iron yeah. Man 2 And by the way, we didn't talk about that when we talked about episode 1 When we talked about Marvel You know, it's, it's been sunshine and rainbows for them mostly But Iron Man 2 is not good There's plenty of criticism about Marvel I- Iron movies. Man 2 is not good Iron Man 2 is at the center of the
0: criticism And I think just collectively they've had a villain problem Yes, that 100% That is noticed by just about everybody
1: Except <laughs> in Infinity War
0: Ah, yeah, fair enough that movie. Most, worked. My understanding. I still haven't seen the movie, but my understanding is that movie is really about him. It's really yes his movie. Yes, very much. So. Um, and I think Kevin Feige may have a, come out and said that the events of Infinity War don't yet have an effect on the, the Netflix series. I think maybe uh, the Netflix probably never nef- Netflix shows in his mind happen prior to yeah
1: uh infinity war which is which is fair i mean frankly i want the netflix shows to do their own thing i I don't need i agree i don't need charlie cox's daredevil grappling with infinity war i like charlie cox's daredevil in a daredevil story talking about daredevil i I don't street level crime i like that's exactly what daredevil's my favorite netflix um marvel show oh it's fantastic Um, and the punisher yeah oh 100 percent Uh Punisher was fantastic. Can't wait for Punisher season two. I have to confess, I haven't really watched the others. I'm going to get to them eventually. Um, I do have a life. I actually (laughs) have. I have seen uh, Jessica Jones. I did watch the Defenders. Uh, I haven't seen Jessica Jones. I haven't seen Iron Fist and I haven't seen Luke Cage. I will get to all of it. Um, I didn't need it for the Defenders. I I think I understood uh, enough to... To find my place in Defenders. I didn't hate the Defenders as much as Sean did. I didn't love it. But well, it was hit as a strong delivered. Word. It was fine. I, mean, I didn't
0: hate the Defenders. I wish the Defenders and this is what defenders I've said. Defenders could have been a lot better. This is what I've said from the beginning. I wish the Defenders had a couple more episodes 100%. to flesh out the story. That's all. More team up time. I know I know it's a weird criticism to say like, oh I didn't like this, give me more of it. But No, I know <laughs> what you mean. I think it could have serviced the the, the show. The, what the storyline that they were going for? If they just had a couple more episodes, the That's sweet it. spot
1: to me is ten episodes. I think that on, a, on f- a Netflix on demand yeah. type thing, the sweet spot for me is ten episodes. 11, 12 can sometimes feel a little long, and I'll tell you, I agree with Sean. Eight sometimes doesn't feel like enough. I think if the Defenders had been ten,
0: I would have been happy. But can I tell you something else? I've also watched uh, Inhumans. Oh boy. Uh, that train wreck of a show I heard it was pretty bad I watched all of it Uh, it did get a little better as it went on but still it got cancelled so so that tells you everything you need to know I also watched uh, Runaways on Hulu Uh, Uh, the sort of Marvel teen show that they had Uh, good not great but fun Uh, I also plan on watching Cloak and Dagger so do I because for a couple of reasons one uh, I'm intrigued uh, I'm always intrigued when Marvel uses lesser-known characters. I love Cloak and Dagger, by the way. and I think Cloak and Dagger. Uh, I think the images that I've seen uh, from their previews, the teasers, it—it it seems like it's there for me. So I'm gonna check that out. I, I have all of
1: them. On, I have the, however many are out now. I want to say two or three episodes are on the DVR. I will be getting through them uh, this weekend, probably. Um, I love Cloak and Dagger. I used to. Lo- they used to show up in. Uh, spider-man a lot when i was a kid and yes. uh, loved it spider-man so, growing up
0: spider-man was hands down my favorite superhero same here until i transitioned to batman same here and i think a lot of people have made that same transition yes as they grew up but older. i
1: still have a sweet spot for spider-man
0: absolutely um, he's fun yeah it's a fun character and those villains those are great villains those are great villains uh mysterio he's fantastic craven the hunter
1: yep absolutely. the lizard the vulture. I've never been big on the rhino, but yeah, rhino's okay. Whatever. Uh, Sandman, Electro, the Shocker, the Shocker, yeah, I, Green Goblin, Doctor Octopus.
0: Is, those are all great villains.
1: Venom is okay. I know where people get into the thing. I was never a huge Venom person. Uh, uh, I loved Venom. Yeah. I didn't really get it, but okay. So Venom, but I mean, it was Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery is is quite good. Yeah, and, and, and now that Marvel and Disney have that IP back, I, yep. I think they're
0: going to do amazing things with that.
1: Yep, because Homecoming was fantastic. Home, Homecoming was a great Spider-Man movie. It really was. Loved it. It had the right amount of Robert Downey. It had the right amount. It was well done.
0: Yeah, they tied it really well into their existing
1: universe. And, I and Michael Keaton was fantastic. Who I believe is coming back for the sequel. God, I hope so, because Michael Keaton was great. I. You know we talk about a lot of actors on this show Matthew McConaughey I think we buried we we've taken Harrison Ford around enough in episode one but uh somebody who I think is underrated um and but I'm also a huge fan of is uh Michael keaton um I mean he's the origi- he's the original movie Batman and he's he's great I'm sorry. he's great as Batman but yeah he's, also he's an excellent on, he's great in just about anything he's in he is like uh yeah. Was, I was watching Jackie Brown the other day. The Quentin okay. Tarantino movie. He made yeah. it after Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Sam Jackson, Pam Greer, Robert Forrester, um, all these great... And Michael Keaton plays um, Ray Nicolette, an ATF agent, and he's fantastic. And he shows up, if any of, you, any of our great friends of the show out there, great underrated movie re- uh, movie review here, Out of Sight, okay. with George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez... Directed by Steven Soderbergh. It is excellent. It's based on an Elmore Leonard book, um, out of sight. Jackie Brown was also based on an Elmore Leonard uh, book. He's a crime fiction writer. He also wrote and created the character of Raylan Givens, which went on to become one of my favorite shows of the last couple years, Justified on FX with Timothy Oliphant, as Kentucky U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens with the cowboy hat. Um, Elmore Leonard is a, I great, check out that show. a great crime writer, definitely influenced Quentin Tarantino. Um, so Michael Keaton shows up as Ray Nicolette and Jackie Brown. He also cameos and Out of Sight as the same character, which is fantastic. In a, in, a, in a movie, by the way, that is the movie where you fit, you when you saw it, you went, oh, George Clooney really is a movie star. Because he had done a few other movies that weren't so great. You know, he wasn't great in Batman Robin, which he has apologized for a million times. Clooney, not your yeah, fault, man. Not his fault. He knows, he knows what knows The Script sucks. Yeah. Um, he also did this weird military movie called The Peacemaker, which was also not that good. But if, when you see him in Out of Sight, that is the first movie where you went, Oh yeah, Clooney's a movie star. And you can totally see how he and Soderbergh could get together a few years later and do Ocean's Eleven because there are a few people in that movie who are in Ocean's Eleven. Most particularly Don Cheadle. Who is who is fantastic in that movie. Um, there are so many good uh, actors uh, in that film. Albert Brooks, Ving Rhames, um, Dennis Farina. There are a lot of great actors in Out of Sight. But I uh, saw Jackie Brown, um, which to me is one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. I know that sounds hilarious. The other two would be Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards. That's my those would be my that's favorite. my three uh, Tarantino films um, there's, I just have this fondness in my heart for Jackie Brown it's, uh, it's a good little underrated movie Sam Jackson is great uh, Robert Forrester is Max Cherry Cherry Bell Bonds, he's great Pam Greer is outstanding um, Robert De Niro is in Jackie Brown he is <laughs> slyly very good um, Bridget Fonda is in uh, Jackie Brown and is very good um, there's just there's a lot of good stuff in Jackie Brown. It's very Tarantino.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, all the Tarantino crime film tropes that you had seen from Reservoir and from Pulp Fiction show up in Jackie Brown. But uh, it's an excellent, excellent film if you're looking for underrated. Two underrated reviews, wanted by none. Uh, if you're ever looking for it on a, a Friday, Saturday night or whatever, Jackie Brown, It's I'm sure it's out there somewhere, Netflix, wherever. And if it's out there too, out of sight... With uh, Clooney and Jennifer Lopez Outstanding And Justified If you get a chance to watch the TV show Justified It's a West. It's a modern western It's the closest to a modern western you're going to find And Timothy Oliphant is just So so good As Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens And Walton Goggins Those of you who watch Sons of Anarchy Or have seen the last couple Tarantino movies Walton Goggins is the heavy He's the bad guy in Justified He is fantastic He's fantastic. He is so good.
0: He's great in... Uh,
1: Goggins is really
0: good. I haven't seen Justified. I understand he's very good in that show. Oh, he's awesome. He is excellent on Sons of Anarchy. Um, He plays a very interesting character. Uh,
1: He's great in Tarantino. He is... He He is born for Tarantino. He really is. He is. There are just some... There are some actors out there. um, Sam Jackson is certainly one of them. But um, Walton Goggins is born for Quentin Tarantino. He, he just... he When I heard he was going to be in Django Unchained, I was like, yep. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. There are just some people who are who are just born to deliver Tarantino dialogue. It seems like Christoph Waltz certainly is, based on Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Fantastic into this. Um, not surprisingly, DiCaprio. I mean, DiCaprio's great in everything. Sure. That's like saying Michael Jordan. You know, that's yeah, the equivalent right. of saying, like, Wayne Gretzky's good at hockey, or <laughs> Michael Jordan's good at basketball, or Tom Brady's good at football. But DiCaprio in J- Django Unchained was unexpected, but very, very good. Jamie Foxx, too, obviously. But um, there is just somebody, Harvey Keitel is another one. He's just born for a Tarantino movie. Um, you know, he's great in Reservoir, he is great in uh, Pulp Fiction as Winston Wolf. Buscemi is another one. Um, I wish Buscemi and Tarantino had done more stuff. I thought Buscemi was, was born for Tarantino films. Um, certainly Sam Jackson. There is something about Sam Jackson delivering that dialogue. That, is it even a Tarantino film without Sam Jackson? I, mean, I don't come know. On. I mean, he, he, he's... Sam Jackson's just, you know, he's the man. I mean, and good for Sam Jackson. Like,
0: his career has been... That's a phenomenal career. Outstanding. Uh, yeah, he's he's the elite of the elite. I mean, he's been everything. Yeah. Been everywhere. He went from uh, being typecast as the yep. sort of the stereotypical black thug. Yep. Uh, to a Jedi Master. To, to, <laughs> to Nick Fury. <laughs> to Nick
1: Fury. To Frozone the and the Incredibles. Soon to be in Incredibles 2. Yep. Um Yeah, Sam's career has just been snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane. Um, <laughs> Sa- Sam has done it, literally done it all and, 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 uh, you know, Spike Lee, you know, to work with the directors, he's worked with Spike and and Tarantino, obviously. Um, you know, Pulp Fiction is probably the peak of his... His performance as Jules is... Oh, uh, man. And unfortunately, got caught in a crowded supporting actor year with... And uh, people can look this up and see if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure... Gary Sinise's Lieutenant Dan from Force Comp, which... Gary Sinise is awesome in Forrest Gump. I don't care what people think of Forrest Gump, Gary Sinise is great in Forrest Gump. Um, Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, who that performance is just off on another planet. It's one of the best movies of all. Time. Um, I don't I, I don't know if this is all the same year. These years might blend together, so I apologize. John Malkovich in In the Line of Fire. John Malkovich as the assassin in In the Land of Fire is great. He's just aces in that movie. Um, so to be in that year... That's tough. That's a, t- that's a tough and, group and to Sam fall into. And Jackson, as Jules in Pulp Fiction, that's a tough year. Um, but, you know, he was great in Pulp I mean, the list of people in Pulp Fiction were great. We could do a whole podcast on that. Uh, maybe we should. Our mutual love of Pulp Fiction. Um, you know, still hasn't changed, even though Tarantino has... Certainly the last year has not been great for Quentin Tarantino. Wasn't he brought on, he's going to do a a Star Trek? Yeah, they just recently announced, Paramount did, they're actually going to produce two Star Trek movies. Uh, One is going to be, I think, with the Star Trek cast in the movies that you you now know. Pine, Quinto... Carl Urban is Dr. McCoy I think those people are going to go on into a fourth Star Trek film directed by a woman uh, I forget exactly who but it's a female director and I think even a female writer and then subsequently to that Tarantino is going to direct a Star Trek movie based on a pitch he made and it's being written by the guy who wrote The Revenant So he didn't write the Star Trek No.
0: Movie. That's they, probably a good thing
1: He pitched the idea to J.J. <laughs> Abrams Okay um, J.J. Abrams loved it, J.J. pitched it to Paramount, they loved it, they went out and got a writer to write the film based on Tarantino's pitch. I see, okay. And it is expected that Tarantino will direct it. I don't know anything about the cast, the ship, nothing. It sounds to me like it's not going to be Chris Pine, it sounds like they're getting their own fourth movie, because a lot of them I think are contracted for four movies, Um But yeah, they're making a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek
0: film. Which, at face value, sounds absolutely ridiculous. But can I tell you what? Nothing makes more sense to me as uh, a fan of Star Trek and a fan of Tarantino to see those two things link up. Because I've always viewed Star Trek as like a darker, uh, more remote Star Wars. And I say more remote, galaxy far, far away, I get it. But it just seems like there's room for a gritty... Space film, and if anyone's going to do gritty, uh, uh,
1: well, and yeah. dark, I think Tarantino's your guy. Um, I do have a soft place in my heart for the idea that Star Trek. I, I agree with Sean. This is one of those. I, my new favorite phrase to those of uh, those of you who are great friends of the show, <laughs> who know me in my personal life, be true. <laughs> my new favorite phrase is two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. So Sean is right. I, I do think there's a there's room. In the universe for a kind of a dark, gritty Star Trek film. Well, but especially I, when you look at Star Wars. I mean, yes. Star Wars is
0: everywhere for the foreseeable future. Yes, you gotta you gotta differentiate yourself from, yeah, from
1: and, that. And Star Wars has done the Disney formula of what they call the four corners film, meaning it checks off all the boxes of all the groups and different segments of the population that yeah. they want to come for the movie. So I agree with Sean. There's room for a gritty, dark Star Trek, but As somebody who liked The Next Generation, and who enjoyed the original series, and Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, um, I like the idea that Star Trek is about optimism. That Star Trek is about the idea that humanity figures out its problems. And those problems are solved by, instead of falling apart, they're solved by coming together. Sure. The planet Earth goes into space. I mean, humans do too, because we are the dominant species on the planet. But if you think about what the United Federation of Planets is, what the Federation is, it's humans in space. Yeah. Done by a collective act of will. They come together, they figure it out, they create this peacetime alliance that is meant to explore. Well, it's to, to be curious, to find out different life yeah, forms well, and civilizations. Suddenly they find themselves the
0: minority, so. Yeah. They don't really have a choice, right? But okay, yeah. I I think, and if you're gonna have a good, if you're gonna tell a good story, I think there's room for both of those
1: things. In two things can be true at the same time. Two things can be true at the same time. I don't know that Tarantino is gonna give you optimistic. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know anything except what I told you. The pitch, the writer, he's probably gonna direct. I don't know. Nobody knows what this thing is gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you gotta have three acts. So I, I
0: expect that third act. Oh, even if Tarantino directs it, if he wants to be true to Star Trek form, uh, give us a little light at the end of the tunnel.
1: But aren't you hiring
0: Tarantino to break the form? For Act 1 and 2, maybe. But aren't you... But there needs to be resolution.
1: Yeah, but aren't you... Aren't you hiring Tarantino to to be Tarantino? Sure. Right? You're not hiring Tarantino to be JJ. But I'm also,
0: um, uh, who's doing this? Paramount? Yeah. Uh... I also want to sell tickets to this thing. I want this to...
1: Well, isn't the draw it's Tarantino?
0: For, uh, for the ma- majority of people? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What's a bigger draw, Tarantino or Star Trek?
1: Do you really want the answer to that question
0: now? I mean, it's subjective, but yeah.
1: Go to next. me, it's Tarantino. I mean, I first of all, I love Star Trek. Uh, I think... Well, I guess it again, it's the segment of the audience that you're going for. Uh, it's hard to argue. I mean... Look, despite everything that happened with Quentin Tarantino this last year, which again hasn't been the greatest year for old Quentin, <laughs> um, and he hasn't really wrapped himself in glory, but there are a handful of directors working in Hollywood now who when you see a film you go, only so and so could make that film. Yeah, Scorsese. Scorsese, so yep. Martin Scorsese would Spielberg. be one. Steve I'm not I'm not doing this in number order, it's just yeah, an yeah. order in which I come to mind. Steven Spielberg would be one. Martin Scorsese would be another. Yeah. Christopher Nolan would be one. Yes. And Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Only Quentin Tarantino makes Inglorious Bastards. That's true. Only Quentin Tarantino makes Pulp Fiction. Only Quentin Tarantino makes Reservoir Dogs. Only he makes The Hateful*. Eight. Only he is going to make this Charles Manson movie, whatever his next <laughs> movie is. Yeah. Those films are distinctly Quentin Tarantino. You know from the moment they start, if you have any familiarity with Quentin, you know when you see those films, you know those are his. It's the it's the Stanley Kubrick, Alfred Hitchcock, Mel Brooks thing, where only those people could make those films. Nobody could make Blazing Saddles but Mel. I'm
0: going to throw a more uh, Wes Anderson.
1: Yes, 100%. Thank you. Wes Anderson is totally in that group. The look, the feel, the rhythm of Wes Anderson the, the Cohen brothers Joel and Ethan and Ethan Cohen. who else is making Fargo <laughs> don't include the TV show who else is making Fargo yeah who's making the Big Lebowski Barton Fink any of those great um Coen brothers films um Oh Brother Where Art Thou which is one of my favorites um yeah who's making those movies other than the Cohens? so there's this very small group unfortunately it's shrinking um as Hollywood becomes more studio and more big budget, unfortunately it's shrinking a little, but there is this kind of group of what I might call auteurs who have a look, have a vision, have a feel. Spike Lee is another one. Um, They have a look, a feel, a vision, and um, you know instantly who they are when they make those films. So to me, if you're hiring Quentin Tarantino, you better be damn sure, you know, I just don't believe he's going to... And I again, I could be totally wrong in three years or whatever when this movie comes out. But just my feeling is if you're bringing Tarantino in, you you should know what you're buying by now. There yeah. shouldn't be any mystery. Yeah. There's
0: no mystery there. There's no wonder.
1: <laughs> you're bringing Tarantino in, you know what Tarantino is going to do. Yeah. So I fully expect Star Trek to look... I mean, do I expect Sam Jackson to show up in Star Trek? Not really, no. no. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm going to guess no. Um, but my sense is it's going to be more of an adult-oriented Tarantino film. I would not be surprised if it were a rated R. No, I think it will be. Yeah, I think it should be. Again, I think Again, if you bring we'll, in Quentin Tarantino... Yeah, I think it
0: will and I think it should be. Yep.
1: If you're bringing in Quentin Tarantino... Also, I should state for the record, we've been dancing around it... Uh, I love Quentin Tarantino, I enjoy his films I am Thoroughly not impressed by what he did To Uma Thurman on, On the set of Kill Bill I don't think, let me be clear I don't believe, and if I'm Confronted with contrary evidence I'll change my mind I do not think The accident that hurt Uma Thurman Was in any way connected To Harvey Weinstein I think that accident was simply Tarantino being An egotistical jerk and being a demanding, overbearing director. I could believe that. And he was reckless. And he hurt Irma Thurman. And it was wrong. It was wrong. It, there's no other way to talk about it other than it was wrong. Um, to say that he didn't know about Harvey Weinstein, I have a hard time with. I don't believe that. Simply sure. because he was dating Mira Sorvino. Mira Sorvino told him what was going on. He knew. Um, that he did nothing puts him in a long line of people who did nothing. Right. Um, the buck doesn't stop at Quentin. Brad Pitt knew, it would seem. Uh, Matt Damon seemed to know. Ben Affleck seemed to know. And I don't want to throw these guys under the bus. I like all of those guys, personally. Um, some mistakes with Harvey Weinstein were made. Not just by Ben and Matt and Pitt and Tarantino. By everybody. His brother the stockholders in those companies, Disney, anyone who's ever enabled him, is culpable. I don't believe in the moment where Uma got in the car accident on the set of Kill Bill, I don't believe that was Harvey Weinstein generated. I think that was Tarantino being a jerk. Yeah, I agree. He was being a selfish, overbearing jerk. And he was wrong. His apology did nothing for him. So, on that score, I'm kind of disappointed in Tarantino that being said, I can't wait to see the, the Charles Manson movie. Yeah. Um, if for no other reason than I can't... Tarantino doing Charles Manson, folks, man, if, you, if you're a Tarantino person and that's not in your wheelhouse, I don't know what you're doing here. Because to me, that is peak Tarantino. And then to watch him transition next to do Star Trek is hilarious. You know what's even more hilarious to tie this in because I've wanted to talk about this too? Danny Boyle doing James Bond think about this, folks. The guy who did Train Trainspotting and Slumdog Millionaire is going to do the 25th James Bond film with Daniel Craig coming back for one last time as James Bond. I think that's hilarious. Like, not in a, a mean way or a picking on Danny Boyle way. It's unexpected. It's just when you see the movies he's made, you don't automatically think oh yeah, there's a guy who's going to make James Bond. Yeah. In, in Danny Boyle's defense, I've seen a few movies Sam Mendes made. I saw American Beauty, I saw Road to Perdition, loved both. Did not think that translated to a James Bond film. So, Daniel Craig and the Broccoli's got it more right than I did. I wouldn't have picked Sam Mendes for Skyfall. Skyfall, to me, is one of the best Bond movies ever made. So, I don't know. It's just, again, it's one of those things where a couple weeks ago they had announced that uh, there's going to be a new Bond film in November of 19, I believe. It's Daniel Craig's last contractual James Bond film. And it's going to be directed by Danny Boyle and written with Danny Boyle and the guy who wrote *Train Spotting*. I I just thought, well, this is going to be something. And again, I hope Danny Boyle is allowed to be Danny Boyle in the context of a James Bond movie. As much as he can bring his own Danny Boyle-ness to Bond. Because a lot of those Bond movies are directed by nondescript guys. You wouldn't know who they were. They don't. Yeah. Bond does not have a tradition of hiring big name directors. Um, that has changed a little bit. You know, Sam Mendes was kind of high profile for them, and certainly Danny Boyle is hugely high profile for them. Um, you know, they've kind of you know Chris Nolan and them seem to have danced the last couple years. My assumption is that dance will continue until or unless Nolan does a Bond film. I always thought. If they're going to redo Bond after Daniel Craig, the idea that this will be Craig's last movie and then they'll have to recast, to me, the director for that move is is Chris Nolan.
0: Yeah, we talked about in episode one, uh, Chris Nolan's pseudo-audition in Inception. Yes. The third act of Inception was basically a Bond film. It's
1: basically on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So, uh,
0: we are about 38 minutes in wanted to keep these shorter than our regular episodes is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up
1: yeah i guess r.i.p batfleck um it sounds like ben affleck is going to be moved out of batman and they're going to reboot with a younger batman uh i think that's unfortunate um i thought ben affleck deserved better yeah, because
0: again, like we said many, many times, and we'll say continue to say many, many times, he was not the problem. Nope. Uh, his performance as Batman, as a comic book fan, was great. Was spot on. That's exactly what I want as a comic book yes. fan. Unfortunately, it didn't translate for mu- moviegoers. Nope. It was the Batman that comic book fans deserved, not the one moviegoers needed.
1: <laughs> so, I love that you <laughs> use the Nolan Batman logic uh, against.
0: <laughs> it's unfortunate, and the fact that the idea that they're gonna take away a a solo Batman a Batfleck movie with with Ben Affleck as Batman and give Jared Leto his own (laughs) Joker solo film is ludicrous and I I want nothing to do with it
1: I'm not I, I hate that move um I you know Suicide Squad was a mixed bag for me um Again, actually one of the bright spots in that movie was the couple minutes that Ben Affleck shows up both as Batman and as Bruce Wayne Um, (laughs) along with Margot Robbie and Will Smith Um, and actually I liked Viola Davis I thought she was a really good Amanda Waller and if she showed up in more movies that wouldn't bother me Um, You know, yeah, with Sean the idea that Affleck is going to be moved out of Batman and they're keeping Jared Leto as the Joker is just terrible Uh, Jared Leto as the Joker did not work for me in Suicide Squad. Look, I'm, folks, I'm all for the idea that we're going to eventually have to move past Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger is probably the greatest joker of all time. Um, it's going to be hard for anybody to come close to that. I don't want anybody to. I want somebody to do the next thing.
0: Yeah.
1: I will just tell you, what Jared Leto did in Suicide Squad stunk. It did not work It for stunk. Me. It was yeah. terrible. I I wasn't sure what to think going
0: in. I hated it. And I ended up not really liking it too much. And. I guess all I'll say about it is I'm looking forward to the proposed Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. I don't understand that More movie. than I'm looking forward to a Jared Leto solo Joker movie. And I don't want a uh, a Joker origin story. I don't want no, it. Don't, don't give it to, it to me. It. DC, Warner Brothers, if you're listening, stop. They're not listening. I don't, <laughs> don't want that. Well, actually, AT&T might be. They're my uh, phone company, so they very well might be listening. Here's now. Yeah, well, I mean... I love Joaquin Phoenix. I, I love the Joker. Again, he's tattooed on my arm. He really is. But I, I do not want a Joker origin film. No, neither do I. And yet, I'm looking forward to that
1: more so than a Jared Leto film. I, I'm not, I, I don't get it. I'm not, I don't get it. To be honest, I don't want either one. Um, yeah, leave it alone. If I had to pick, I guess, under duress, I'd probably say <laughs> that's Joaquin That's what Phoenix? this is. You have a gun to your head. Great. Pick a Joker. I'd probably Joaquin Phoenix, but that's purely of... Let me go. I don't want to be in this room anymore. Um, I don't want any of it. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's let's
1: wrap it up there. On a that great note. place
0: to end a positive. You know note. what? Yeah. Let's, let's just end it there. Because uh, we're we're coming up on our
1: exit now. We are approaching so. our home. So we want to thank all of our GFOSs, our great friends of the show, for listening. Stay tuned. Episode three. Uh, no lie, is coming soon. It's uh, all about Saturday Night Live. Uh, I think it's our funniest episode that we've done, um, and it kind of, I think, merges all of what's great about episode one and episode two. It's one topic structured, but it also stream of consciousness. It goes a bunch of different places. So stay tuned for episode three, coming soon. We are at the, we are we are on the goal line of post production. Absolutely, it'll be coming soon. This is Wanted by Nuns Mini-sode on The Go episode signing off. Everybody have a great day. Yeah, and uh, I'll just say one more thing.
0: Uh, go ahead and follow us on all your social media at WantedByNunPod. If you have any questions, uh, any, anything you want to talk about that we've talked about, send us an email, show at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening.